Welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We are thrilled to have you along with us today as we discuss property taxes. And our title for this episode is Property Taxes, an Appeal to the Appeals Process. And joining me today are two subject matter experts we're thrilled to have with us. First, we have Shane Stewart, CPA partner in charge of state and local tax services at Weaver. Shane, welcome. Thanks, Tyler. Um, Thanks for having us. Yes, um, so I'm the partner in charge of our state and local tax practice, which encompasses our property tax practice and led by our practice property tax practice leader sitting next to me, Jason Armstrong. And let's talk to Jason Armstrong. Jason, welcome to the show. You are the senior manager of state and local tax services at Weaver. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, as Shane said, uh, Jason Armstrong and I lead the property tax practice at Weaver. Um, <clears throat> a little bit about my background. Uh, most of my experience has been in the complex space, and that just means that the taxpayers that I've worked with uh, the most are more complex or industrial in nature. And so that includes manufacturing and distribution, renewable energies, utilities, railroads. Um, I've worked all over the country. Um, I've done property tax in most states across the country, so uh, national presence, national experience, um, and everything from uh, compliance, that just means the the preparation and filing of personal property renditions, Mm -hmm. and the valuation and appeals of both personal property and real estate. Well, guys, I'm, I'm thrilled to get your expertise on a podcast like this today because I think that there are a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns about what this process look like, looks like. And, you know, as property values continue to rise, there's a lot that, that people can do as it relates to that. And so let's start at a, at a really high level and just kind of break down what this process looks like from beginning to end, but also, you know, from a conceptual perspective as well. Uh, so tell me a little bit and just walk us through uh, uh, an overview of what this appeals process looks like. Sure. Uh, much like uh, some of our views. Uh, have their own homes and they get assessment notices from the, the appraisal district. Uh, and they look at those values and they may agree or they may not, uh, just like they have the right to appeal their, their home values. Uh, the same is true on the personal property side or the commercial side. Um, so personal property is machinery, equipment, uh, furnitures, desk chairs, really all this stuff needs to be reported to the appraisal district. Um, and so we get assessment notices back uh, from the appraisal district on really what they're planning on assessing your property on and and giving you a tax bill on. Um, And so really that appeals process uh, starts when we get that assessment notice. And it's our job to review every one of those and make sure that they accurately reflect fair market value. Um, And so when we find an assessment that doesn't, uh, then we file an appeal with the appraisal district, much like you could for your home. and so when we do that, it really is just putting, it's a letter or a form that puts the appraisal district on notice that the taxpayer has an issue with their value or something that they want to discuss. Um, and so it's at that time that we, um, that we work informally with these assessors. There's usually a period of time um, before the formal appeal uh, that you can work informally just over a phone call, um, just speaking with those assessors, sharing our information, uh, sharing why we believe that that assessment is overvalued. Um, so it starts with receiving an assessment notice which I like to kind of think of it as like a warning. Sure. Yeah. And here you go, you're going to have to pay this, but you have these options. It may list a little bit of those options to appeal it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that they, you know, when they see an assessment notice that that's not the tax due yet, right? right. It's what yeah. they anticipate your tax to be due. And so then you've got this period of time with different deadlines to 
you know, try to get a, a reduction in that value. Right. Absolutely. And nine times out of 10, we're able to, to handle this informally over the phone. Uh, but when you do disagree with an assessor, uh, there is still another opportunity to handle those conversations in front of a, an impartial party. And it's really a board hearing. And so it's a, it, you know, through COVID, we did it over the phone. So you can do these over the phone, uh, but typically they're in person. Um, and really, it's just where the assessor uh, or represented for the assessor's office um, states their case, shares their information, and then we do the same. And then this, this board rules based off of the information that's been presented. And so these hearings are 10 to 15 minutes long. It's very high level. Um, so you really just have to uh, be very detailed with the, the information that you have, um, trying to state your case as quickly as possible. Um, and there is another opportunity. If you disagree with the, the board's ruling, uh, there is another opportunity to, to appeal their decision. But that's getting attorneys involved, and sometimes that's not the easiest <laughs> process. So it's, well, it, yeah, it's a benefit to, to handling it informally if you can. Yeah, well, and I like to think in this, in, in this business for professionals uh, who specialize in this, the value is, is, is driven uh, two ways. It's really your technical ability to actually understand the issues, uh, present the facts, and, and uh you know, eloquently argue your 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 reduction arguments, right? Um, and the other part, which you just mentioned, is is relational. It's uh, the relationships that you have with different jurisdictions um, uh, goes a long way. And so, finding a local or uh, regional uh, property tax firm that has the expertise in that area and has those relationships is, is critical. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a lot of what you mentioned and laid out there involves going back and forth and discussing things with assessors. What's it like to work with them directly and to have these types of conversations? Break that down for us. Sure. Um, yeah, it's some assessors are easier to work with than others. That's for sure. <laughs> that's life, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're just people and they're humans as well. You don't know what uh, what happened to them today before you got to work. Right, right? exactly. Um, and as, as Shane said, that it is, uh, it's about relationships. And so uh, just, you know, from I think it's really important to build a rapport with assessors and, and build those relationships and, and build a trust with them. It can make the appeals process so much easier. Um, and as an example of that, I've worked with one of these appraisal districts here in Texas for many years, and I do have relationships with a, with a number of the assessors. Now, if a taxpayer or <clears throat> representative from out of state that hasn't worked with this appraisal district before um, is it filing an appeal, they're probably going to call the number on the form. They're probably going to sit on the phone for 30 or 40 minutes uh, just to be told, hey, this is when your date is, uh, attend the hearing. Uh, but because I have these relationships with these assessors and I've built them over years, um, I have contacts I, I can reach out to. I can quickly, swiftly handle these appeals um, and make sure that we're getting the best result for our clients. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's always important to highlight that, that relational element of anything that, uh, that you deal with because you're dealing with people at the end of the day, regardless of it, whether or not it's a system, it is, it is still people. Yeah, and absolutely. So that's, uh, that's a really important thing. Um, from your perspective, having done this a, a number of times now, what, what are some of the top property tax issues that you've seen with your clients and how did you ultimately work those out? Sure. <clears throat> One of the most common ones is, you know, assessors being human, they make mistakes just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it is. It's not fully automated yet. No, not yet. <laughs> AI hasn't actually, taken over that. Well, right? and actually the property tax uh, system um, being jurisdictional at the local level, mm -hmm. it is still fractured across. So there's not like this mass, you know, centralized focus to techno, you know, advance all the technology. I mean, a lot of these jurisdictions are still receiving check payments versus electronic payments. That's just kind of gives you an example of where they are still. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it's just really important to, uh, to make sure that your 
really cross-checking the assessor's assessment. They are human. They make mistakes. Uh, you know, an, an extra zero onto your assessment can make a huge effect on your tax bill. So it's really important just to make sure that the assessor's assessments are correct. That's part of our job. We, we get the assessment work papers, uh, the detail behind the assessment so that we can review those and make sure that everything's correct. And so that is uh, one area where we find a lot of uh, things that need to be corrected. Uh, the second would be uh, useful life studies. And this is just uh, really more, more than anything, our job is to know our client's business and to understand their, their business and their equipment, all the assets that they have. Um, so when we are filing renditions, these assessors are processing thousands of renditions a year. So they're taking that information and plugging it into their system. Um, a lot of times you're getting pretty general assessments with the general information, right? You're getting um, you know, machinery equipments in one bucket and you know, furnitures and fixtures in another. Uh, but as property tax professionals, one of the things that we do is identifying uh, the usefulness or the, the, the uses of this equipment and identifying where we might be able to get a, you know, additional depreciation or, or more aggressive depreciation on different assets. Uh, so I'd say that's another big thing is just uh, having the knowledge of the business uh, to identify where these assets are best placed mm -hmm. as far as a depreciation schedule. Um, and third and probably the most important is uh, obsolescence. So there's two types of obsolescence. There's functional obsolescence and there is economic obsolescence or external obsolescence. Uh, functional is, is really just a loss of value. Uh, that's a, a result of inefficiencies of, of that asset. Um, on the economic side, it's really a loss of value that's a result of external factors. Uh, so a lot of times that's the economy. A drop in the economy would affect uh, the value of those assets. You know, I'd like to add to that. So these are some, some technical and clerical uh, issues that you brought up. Uh, I'd like to also like take it back to the taxpayer. And why, another big issue is that many tax, most taxpayers actually don't even know that they can appeal their assessments. And so um, a lot of them don't. And so a lot of comparisons, right, mm -hmm. uh, keep the values higher. And it, it, just knowing the process in general um, can save you a lot of money. I can't tell you how many times like, my wife uh, protests our, our house values, right? right? And you can go online now or you can actually go to a formal appeal, right? Uh, I can't tell you how many uh, 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 folks on my block don't ever protest their property values and I just it blows my mind you know because it's worth you know however long you're going to own that property for right yeah absolutely so it's it's just knowing that you can do this and that's why we're we're here today right yeah yeah I think it's arming yourself with that knowledge right because if you don't know and someone hands you something saying hey this is what it's worth this you know, and then you just have to take it you right? think they're the authority and exactly that's, that's right what you know absolutely so, Exactly. And to your point about clerical errors, you know, an extra zero on the end of your property tax assessment, <laughs> not so good. If they want to add an extra zero to the end of my paycheck. Sure. Uh, yeah, be okay with that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but uh, all depends on the type of clerical error, I suppose. But, Absolutely. Uh, uh, so what types of things might change the, the, the valuation of your business? What sorts of changes can happen um, that, that would result in that? Yeah. So the three things I just mentioned were more on a micro level and more details. Um, Specific to the individual business, right? Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so more on a, kind of on a macro level, on kind of high level, uh, some of the things that would affect the value of, of a business and thereby the underlying assets uh, could be um, a, a downturn in the economy, mm -hmm. a drop in an industry, right. um, labor shortages, increased costs, um, you know, supply chain issues. Uh, there's a number of things that really could affect uh, the value of your business. And we're seeing a lot of those things over the last several years, right? Everything you mentioned, I can think of uh, some way that that's happened over the last well, several well, years, right? Well, it's, it's crazy because in a bad economy, 
during the pandemic, at least during part of the pandemic. And then during a good part of the pandemic, when the economy's rolling blowing, there's still different constraints, right? right. Mm -hmm. uh, that affects your business negatively for property taxes, for sure. Right. Um, and then you factor that into the values of, of the assets that they have to report, right? Yeah. And uh, get further reductions. Absolutely. Yeah, each year brings a, uh, you know, different challenges and different things to be addressed. We'd like to say it used to be more stable, but I don't really think it has, you know? <laughs> we just have a new instability with the, you know, the pandemic, right? right? Absolutely. Uh, next year, the next couple of years could be something else, who knows? Yeah. Ready for anything at this point, I think. Uh, for sure. I, I think the only constant yeah. over the last couple of years has been change. Well, sure. and I think the only other constant is that you're, you are going to have property taxes. So, yeah. right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not changing either. No, <clears throat> definitely not. That's a great point. That's a great point. And that's why it's so important to be informed, which is why uh, we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's great to inform yourself on, on everything going on. So, um, so Jason, if an assessment is in line with the value rendered uh, on the rendition uh, filed, would there be any reason to appeal? Is there any reason to go through with that process then at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think when we file these renditions, we are filing using a cost approach, and, and we use this cost well, approach. Well, what's a rendition for some of uh, yours? Yeah, okay. To back up uh, real quick, when when you have personal property, like these, these furnitures, uh, furniture, fixtures, tables. Um, My awesome uh, old school. Uh, this old school yeah. typewriter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the appraisal district doesn't know what you have, and so uh, to... to let them know what is on site. Uh, we file a rendition. It's just, it's really a return to some degree uh, where we list out the property that, that is on site uh, so that they know the original cost <clears throat> when it was acquired. And so they can depreciate that down and get a value or draw your assessment. When we do this, um, it is used, we use a cost approach and we use a cost approach really at their requirement, but there's not really another way to do it. They're processing thousands of returns each year. And so yeah. this is the only way that they can, uh, handle that kind of volume. But when you use a cost approach, you're not getting to fair market value. You're really getting to a depreciated value. Um, you're taking the original cost, uh, putting it into a, a, a useful life schedule, depreciating it down to get, get, to get your assessment. Um, in the Texas Property Tax Code, it requires all assessments to be drawn using fair market value. And so this rendition or the value on this rendition does not reflect fair market value. It's not, mm -hmm. it's really just estimating physical depreciation. It's not taking into consideration all these external factors like the economy or like labor shortages that could be having an effect on your, on your property and on your assets. Yeah. Cause you're required to report your property at the price you purchased it and they apply it to the, the buckets that they have in their, their set depreciation schedules. Right. Those are really <clears throat> the main factors. Right. And that's why you have this appeals process and this ability to go and state your case on all these other factors that they don't want to uh, you know, put into play before you render all your assets, right? Right. Because um, it would just be too complicated to handle all of that. It would. And a lot of times when we <clears throat> have these initial conversations with assessors, uh, a lot of times their first response is, well, I, I took what you had on the rendition. <laughs> and so my response is, well, we know this is the cost approach. This is, doesn't yeah. get us to fair market value. Uh, we know there's these external factors that are affecting the value of this equipment. And so we're able to provide additional uh, documentation to show, hey, there's, there's a disparity between this cost approach value that's on the rendition and what fair market value actually should be. Mm -hmm. 
And we know that uh, you know many businesses, like we were talking about earlier, are still feeling the effects of 2020 and just uh, the way that everything happened and the roller coaster of uh, of everything that that went on in 2020. So, what are some of the issues that you've seen with assessments this past year, right? Uh, whether it's supply chain related or you know uh, other examples that you provided, uh, talk us through some of the some of the things you've seen over the past year. Sure, <clears throat> I think one of the the most notable is the, the the fallout of the oil and gas industry that happened in 2020. And so this year, working with assessors. And a lot of assessors understood uh, our arguments. They understood the issues that were present in companies that were, were related to that industry. And so this doesn't have to just be an oil and gas company. It could be really anyone that's tied to that industry or any, any of these companies that service oil and gas companies. They're all, they all have been affected by the downturn or the, the fallout of the, the oil and gas industry. Um, and so a lot of our arguments this year were using <clears throat> economic data, data from the Federal Reserve, uh, data from the companies showing that, there, the, that this this event has affected the value of their business. Um, another one would be uh, the government response to the pandemic. You know, these right. shutdowns. Uh, there's not very many companies that can be shut down for several months in a year and and just be okay. Um, and so we have been able to show you know through. I mean, this would be manufacturing facilities, fitness centers, uh, really any business that was yeah restaurants. Anyone that was affected yeah. uh, by a shutdown, um, we were able to show uh, that through data. And uh, a lot of the assessors uh, were sensitive to that and uh, gave us some consideration for those shutdowns. Or yeah, because really your assets that are idle aren't, aren't as valuable. Right. Yeah. Um, and you sh and so you shouldn't be paying ta property tax at the value that you, know, you acquired it, less the depreciation. Right. There's got to be other factors in play there. Yeah. Now, it might go back up mm -hmm. once you're, you know, they're f fully in, in use, right? Right. Uh, but during a period of time like this, you know, you got to capture that that uh, inactive use of, of those assets. Right. And so the goal is to define you know, what fair market value is as of a certain date, which is January 1st in, in most states. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're really taking a, a localized look at one time period. And so these these types of issues are year to year. Uh, it's not something that's carried forward. It's each year you have different issues that affect the value. And so we try and address them, address them with these assessors. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. The, the idle treadmill in the gym isn't... It's not worse than $2,000 that the gym paid for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's also idle in my home. So yeah, yeah maybe I can <laughs> figure something out there as well. Right. So, but that's, we'll have that conversation off the air. So but luckily uh, you don't have to... Uh, uh, Render your own assets at home. Okay, that's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a, a good thing. That's a relief. <laughs> uh, so, guys, what happens? So, say someone's you know watching this, listening to this, and they're saying, "Okay, I missed the deadline for the appeals process." Um, what happens if if you miss that that formal deadline um, for that for that appeals process? What what happens then? Are there other things that you can do? Sure. Um, I guess two things. The first, uh, try and manage those deadlines as, as, as carefully as you can because it is important. Yeah. And it's a deadline-driven uh, process. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It is. And it, it's different all over different states. You know, you, you yeah. could have Massachusetts is, is in February. You have Oklahoma, that's early May. Texas is late May, early June. Uh, you've got Florida in September. California is September or November, depending on which county so, you're in. So, so think about it, handling that on a multi-state basis right. if you're a multi-state company. Mm -hmm. Um, it could get quite complicated quickly. It really can. And so it's, it's really important to manage those deadlines or, or hire somebody that can for you, somebody that knows, that has experience in those different jurisdictions. Um, but if you have missed your appeal deadline, um, the important thing is that a lot of states do offer an avenue for correction. Uh, not all of them, uh, but some do. Like in Texas, we have what's called a roll, a roll correction appeal. We call it a 2525. It's just um, 
Section 2525 of the Property Tax Code. And there's two provisions in there. There's a 2525C, which is reserved for clerical errors. Mm -hmm. So if the assessor has made a mistake or there's a double taxation or um, there's an assessment that's drawn on property that's not on site, uh, then you have an opportunity by filing this 2525 appeal uh, to go back five years to have those, uh, those, those, corrected, those issues corrected. Uh, now for 2525D, that is reserved for valuation type issues. And that is, uh, it's, we don't have the same five-year look back period. It's a one-year thing. Uh, but as long as you file that appeal uh, prior to the taxes being due, then there is still an opportunity to present your case. Um, there, I mean, there's some caveats with it too. Like for that particular appeal, it, you need to have documentation that shows that the appraisal or the, the assessment is at least 33% over what you think it should be. Mm. Uh, and they also take a penalty. They take a 10% penalty for you missing that appeal deadline. Mm. But what it's reserved for is really if you get your tax bill and you recognize, oh my gosh, my value has gone up so much and I have no idea why, um, but you've missed that appeal deadline, it just gives you another avenue to, to be able to handle that with the appraisal district. And if, you ha and if you missed it and you don't have the ability and you're aware of it, you know, time is now to get ahead of it for next year because they're likely going to come in at similar values as next year if you haven't fought it and you're going to have the same problem again. So um, just know that it's, it is harder to go back because we don't, we don't, the appeals process has some pretty strict deadlines, uh, but next year is right around the corner. And so, you know, you, you have a mistake one time, it's okay, right? Do it again. It's, it's not as, as exciting. And we got to come up with a better name for the catchier names for this 2525 25 yeah. C and D. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I, I, I think that. So saying it out loud. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Uh, we'll, think of, we'll think of something. 20, 25 squared. I don't know. We'll, we'll, work, we'll, we'll workshop that a little bit. For sure. No, but you, you guys raised uh, an interesting point just of that idea of multi state, you know, multi site and multi state idea and how. You know, deadlines are different in different states. Uh, are, are there any other significant differences between states? I'm sure there are because each state kind of looks at these things differently. And as you were mentioning earlier, these are carried out on the local level, right? And so mm -hmm. uh, what are some differences maybe that people should be aware of if they do have multiple sites in multiple different states? What sorts of things should they at least be aware of so that they're well informed on this? Yeah, every state is different. They have their own rules and, and regulations. Um, but just like Texas has a provision, others do as well. Um, you know, for instance, Louisiana. Louisiana. We've been able to go back two years in Louisiana uh, with some of their jurisdictions. In California, they audit and they have a four-year audit period and you're able to <clears throat> do uh, both ways, right? You can get uh, some additional assessments in that audit, but you can also get some refunds as well. So that's another uh, state that allows you to... Yeah, fortunately, California audits you. Here, right. it doesn't typically happen in Texas. Right. California always does things just a little bit different. A little bit more. Yeah, They do. Yeah. They do. I'll let everyone decide if it's a good or a bad thing. That's... that's. <laughs> that your taxes are higher, I'm going to make our taxes higher. You know, they just want to be better at everything, huh? Yeah. I think the important thing uh, you know, to that point is really just uh, making sure that um, if you've missed your appeal, regardless of what state you're in, mm -hmm. making sure you you, you hire somebody that knows the, the, the laws or the regulations in that jurisdiction um, or somebody that knows where to find the answer. And I would say that, in, uh, yeah, I would agree. Someone that knows how to find the answer. Um, like our, our shop, your practice is a, is a multi-state practice and we cover all the states that have business, personal property and real property, right, at the commercial level. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the differences too are what, like the types of property in every state aren't the same that are being taxed. You know, some states don't even tax like business, personal property, like your chairs and stuff, mm -hmm. or Texas does. Some, some states uh, tax inventory like Texas does. Mm -hmm. Right, and there's special exemptions for that as well. But a lot of states don't tax inventory. 
So just really knowing what what it, what it all encompasses, right? So right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an important thing I think, and and just having people that uh, that you can go to for for advice and for for wisdom on these sorts of things I think is is really important, which is why we have you guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. exactly, exactly. Shane Stewart, Jason Armstrong, guys, thank you so much for joining me here for this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers and sharing a little bit more about uh, the appeals process when it comes to uh, to property tax assessments. Thank, thank you, bet. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Absolutely, and everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Of course, we've enjoyed having you along very very much. Go to Weaver.com for more information. If you want to get in touch with either of these guys, you can do it there. You can also find them on LinkedIn, that sort of thing. If you have a question, you want to reach out, you want to learn more, make sure to reach out to one of these two guys to get your questions answered and for more information. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of Weaver Beyond the Numbers with more insights on topics like this. So make sure to subscribe, stay up to date with the latest from Weaver, and we will see you again very soon.